Jesus would say, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men to him. He will draw all men to himself. We want to lift up his name this morning. Amen. Can we bow our heads this morning while the music is still playing? And, and if you just would now, let's just channel our thoughts into the word for this next hour or so. And we'll just let the Holy Spirit have his way. Let's invite him into our hearts. Heavenly Father, we stand here this morning. Lord, we're just mortals. We're human beings. We're, we're in this flesh. We're in this world. Father, we, we're subject to many things around us. But Lord, you've also deposited something in us. And there's a great call and there's a great pull on our lives by virtue of a little seed that is within. And this morning, Lord, we want to invite you, Lord, to come and speak to our souls and deal with our inner man, Lord. For the outer man may perish, but the inner man is renewed day by day. Father, it's not within me. I, people haven't gathered to hear about Brother Ed or what he's learned or what he's studied. But Lord, they've come to draw from you this morning. And I pray, oh Lord, we've come in your provided way. You've determined to use man to preach the gospel. And Lord, we're asking this morning that the supernatural God would be evident in our midst, Lord. Father, that you would use the channel, use these vessels as both the speaker and the hearer. And Lord, may the Holy Ghost illuminate our hearts. May it scatter the darkness from our lives, Lord. May revelation prevail in the hearts of your people. Lord, bless those that are home, that are gathered in their places. You know every need. You know every situation. Lord, we curse the devil this morning and all his works. And Father, we say, may the Spirit of God prevail. Lord, we're asking now that you'll have the preeminence. Father, we give the service completely into your hands. And we're asking that you will take the full rulership, O oh Lord. May you reign and rule over us, O oh Lord. Thank you for the songs that have been sung. Thank you for the, everyone that's played their part. And now, Lord, as we open the word, we give ourselves completely unto you. We ask your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Brother Ray. Thank you, musicians. A little bit longer in our preliminaries. We just needed to get that out. I'll try and get directly to the word if you can. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 19. Matthew 19, and we're also going to read from Luke 23. And uh, just go right into the word this morning. I, I do have some thoughts on my heart, and I really, uh, we're, we're taking it over both services. So we'll just take it to whatever point the Lord would have. I... I I'd like to say I've got it all structured, but I'm helpless. I'm depending on the Lord for how he would lead. And I would like to encourage you, you that are listening, you that are here, you have a part to play. You pull on the word. You pull on the gift. You draw from God. You ask him to come to meet your need today. Matthew 19, we're going to start reading this from verse 4. And he answered and said unto them, have you not read he which made them at the beginning, made them male and female, and said, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother, and shall cleave to his wife, and they, shall twain, and they twain shall be one flesh. 
Wherefore they are no more twain but one flesh. Wherefore God, what God has joined together, let no man put asunder. So this is Jesus coming in the middle of the book. He is going back to the beginning. He's highlighting what God has said as a result of a question that comes up. And so now the Pharisees ask him another question. And they said unto him, Why did Moses then command to give a writing of divorcement and to put her away? And he said, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, suffered you to put away your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. So what was perceived to be a a doctrinal issue was really a heart issue. And Jesus identifies it was a hardness of heart that, that allowed something to happen, but he makes this declaration, from the beginning, it was not so. Now, over in Luke chapter 23, we're going to pick this up in verse 27. Luke 23, verse 27. This is now coming to the crucifixion as he's about to be crucified. And there followed him a great company of people and of women which also bewailed and lamented him. But Jesus turning unto them and said, Daughters of Jerusalem, weep not for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming in the which they shall say, Blessed are the barren, and the wombs that never bear, and the paps which never gave suck. Now Jesus, in the middle of the book, now he's, he's, we pointed to where he's gone to the beginning, but now he's pointing to the end. He said, don't weep for yourselves right now. There's going to come a time when they're going to say, blessed are the barren. And the wombs that never bear and the paps that never gave suck. That is the condition of the world that we live in. That is the maturation of a condition of the heart that is also hard. And now listen to the result of that. This, this will be the result of that condition. Verse 30. Then shall they begin to say to the mountains, fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. For if they do these things in a green tree, what shall be done in the dry? If they do these things when it's not in full maturity, What will happen when it's in full maturity? This is where you and I live right now. God bless his word. You may have your seats. I'm going to invite you also to go to Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. My subject this morning, it wasn't so from the beginning. What will it be at the end? And I want to now just go to Luke chapter 19. This is Jesus as he has come. Uh, This is now just the days before, the week before the crucifixion. And and he's coming and and they're, they're throwing palm leaves in for him. But let's just pick it up in verse 37. And when he was come nigh, even at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for the mighty works that they had seen, 
So there was a rejoicing, there was a, a happiness saying, Blessed be the king that comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. They were actually fulfilling the words of Zechariah, not by intellectual knowledge, but by the spirit that was in them. And right at that time, there was another spirit that manifest. Verse 39, and some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto him, Master, rebuke thy disciples. And he answered and said unto them, I tell you that if they hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. In other words, to try to suppress this would cause nature to convulse. Now we're talking about a maturation of two spirits, two vines, even then. Verse 41, and when he was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it, saying, Oh, he says, if thou hadst known, even thou, at least in this thy day, the things which belong to thy peace, but now are they hid from thine eyes, for the day shall come upon thee that thine enemy shall be a trench about thee and compass thee around and keep thee in every side, and they shall lay even with the, thy, with the ground and thy children within thee, and they shall not leave in thee one stone on the other. Now he's talking to Israel. He's saying, because thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. God visited the world back then. God has visited the world again. And I would say, the world has not recognized their visitation. And I'll say this, the fruit of turning down that visitation is all around us right now. We are seeing it manifest. Now I'm really going to need to bring this, and, and I'm going to just try to be punctual, direct, and just move with my thoughts. I want to just say I appreciate what Brother Moses spoke on Wednesday, and he was really speaking on another subject but he started out, which, which really led me even to my title, but he talked about the time of the manifestation of the seed. What would start in infancy would have to have a season where there would be full maturity. Now, I, if I can read just out of the Church Age book, Brother Branham would mention this in a couple of places. He talked about how, you know, and, and everything is in a type and everything is in a shadow, and it is an ongoing process that doesn't stop, but it continues to build. He talked about the seven churches in Asia Minor that contained certain characteristics within them which became the mature fruit of later ages. So what was existing naturally manifest in seven churches, church ages. What were just seed plants back there came out later in a mature harvest, even as Jesus said. He would also speak in the Philadelphian church age, talking about the open door that was there in the sixth age. He said, we need to think about the overlapping or the melting and fading into one age to another. He said, the last age is simply an overflow of the previous age. The seventh age, which he says is a very short age, gathers up itself for one quick work. 
all the evil of every age, yet all the reality of Pentecost. Once the Philadelphian age has run its course, the Laodicean age quickly comes in, bringing both the tares and the wheat to harvest. And he would talk about the cycle of the full cycle of the seed that was planted in the ground, the planting, the water, the nourishing, until it comes back to original seed. The tares that were sown will go through this cycle and be harvested. And then he just talks about, he, he reaffirms this, in, in this is in the uh, Philadelphian church age. He said, it was to this last age, he said, Jesus said, I come quickly, Laodicea is the age of the quick work. It is cut short. Turn with me to Luke chapter 17. This will be very familiar to us. But I, I, I would like to just really be methodical about this. I debated putting up a PowerPoint, but I just felt I want to leave myself a little bit of room as you pull on the word. You're very engaged in the service this morning. I just want to reassure you, just be in tune, and I, I say give us your attention. Luke chapter 17, verse 26. And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the Son of Man. Now there's characteristics. We can talk about the judgment. We can talk about the rain that never happened. But really what's identified in the Scripture is a nature of the Spirit that manifests in man. As it was in the days of Noah, they did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them still. And now uh, Jesus brings Noah's day together with the days of Lot. Verse 28, likewise as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone, and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man shall be revealed. So the days of Noah were a prelude to another day. The days of Sodom were a prelude to another day. And we're living where those two great preludes are coming into a greater manifestation right around us. Now the world doesn't see all of that. But, but there's an, a manifestation that is identified by these same characteristics. Even as Jesus said, they will, blessed shall they be, when they say, the womb that never bear, the paps that never bear suck, that's the age we live in. In, in, in Invisible Union, Brother Branham talks about the women of the day would rather have a dog, would rather have something than have children. Why? Because they have left their course, their original course, and this is what it's manifesting as. Now, in the days of Noah, we know there was also an Enoch. In the days of Sodom, we know there was an Abraham. So we are in the season of maturity and maturation of the seeds planted. The year 2020 has been unlike any other year. It was not what the world thought it would be. It was not what the corporations thought it would be. It was not what the governments thought it would be. It's not even what you or I thought it would be. 
It has been a year of upheaval and change, and we are seeing a coming together of the most unlikely of players. And there, there is a coming together of people that would really not be in agreement. We are seeing nations that don't agree, that are as far from each other, but they're all acting the same way. They're all being governed by a spirit that is upon them. Now, I, I, I really, I, I asked you on Wednesday if you would listen to the services, the mark of the beast and the seal of God, and I'm going to draw into that more so tonight, and I, I don't want this to be about information or your intellect looking for something. Uh, when this happens, then this domino will fall, this domino. That is not how you're going to escape. You're going to escape because you've got a spirit in you that is linked with God. It will not come by observation. It will not come by your intellect. But it will come by what God has given you. And I'll say this, but you also need to see the things that are happening and it ought to cause you to be more engulfed in this channel that we need to be in. Because the world unwittingly is being captured in a channel that is funneling to one place. And so are we also going to one place. Now there's many cons conspiracy theories regarding COVID-19. And I'm not here to dwell on those. And I would like to just say, I'm not a doctor, and so I'm not really qualified. All I know is it's very real. There's people that have suffered very terribly because of it. There's other people that haven't. But a, so, it, so it has manifest in, in a physical form. But I would say there's a byproduct of it coming on the earth that is brought about a fear on mankind that is affecting their minds and their mindset and will lead them into decisions that they would not normally make. I, I went and I, I was just out walking a little bit and sometimes if it's dark I don't walk outside, I go walk around an empty mall and they got a little bit of music playing and it's Christmas music and I thought everything is been so filtered out, anything to do with Christmas music regarding Christ or regarding anything is just, that, that's not politically correct anymore. You know, so it's only jingle bells and Christmas tree and all that kind of stuff and, and that kind of thing. But I, I just thought, oh, I wouldn't mind to listen to some, some, some real hymns or carols. And I started, and I went on this one website and I found it. And it was actually quite nice. And it was just, just as I was doing that. And then I looked at the comments that were under this, um, the music that was playing, is said, and, and everybody that was commenting were finding a little bit of peace and solace in this, and they're saying, oh, how comforting this is in such a time of upheaval. And, and, and I, I looked, and, and I would say, three out of every four comments were coming from a place of inner turmoil, and this was just a little bit of peace. And this is only seasonal music. What's going to happen in January? What's going to happen next year? And then I, I just read an article. The Alberta government talked about 
the effect of the pandemic and doctors were talking about what it's doing to people's mind, the continual regulations and the continual, you may be saving people from a physical, but you're doing irreparable damage to their minds because they don't have a comfort. Friends, we need to have a place that we can rest in. There has to be a place that you can find solace for your soul. There are consequences that are coming out as the result of, of these measures and regulations, and people are becoming more desperate and they're becoming more fearful, there's a loss of rational thinking and an acceptance for almost any solution that will bring them comfort. Oh, what, I, I don't care what the vaccine does. Let's get back to normal. That, that's the thinking that's in the world. So really, this has been a coming together of the health industry, the political industry, and the media. And, and three very diverse sectors of the world around us have come together and they have begun to breed things that are fearful. And, and, and people are living in fear. Friends, a byproduct of the fall is fear. We all have fears. I, I, I have fears. I, I, I was walking up an escalator the other day and I looked down and all of a sudden it was open to the basement and it was way down. I go, whoa. Because all that was separating me was glass and a little aluminum bar. And I, I, I'm not ashamed to admit I got a fear of heights. You know, I, I mean, it's, everybody's got little fears, little phobias. And, and, but I'll tell you what, the devil's just there to prey on these things. You know, you talk about, I, I, I'll just relate it to, 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 and, and again, I'm not here to bring the conspiracy into it. I'm here to say, look at what's bringing the world together. It is the spirit that's governing them. It's not their natural uh, habitations and things, because they're very diverse, but fear is driving them together. And I'll say this, that should not be driving the church of God. Love of God should be driving us. The love of God, the spirit that's in us, should be pulling us together. There, 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 my oh my. There are, there are things that are, are just leading the world. I, let, listen, let's just go to Isaiah chapter 8. Now, I, I, I'll just go on this just for a few moments but this is Isaiah chapter 8. Let's start reading in verse 9. <coughs> the prophet says, Associate yourselves, O ye people. So it says, Associate yourselves, and you shall be broken in pieces. Gird, give ear, all you far countries, and gird yourselves, and you shall be broken in pieces. Gird yourselves, and you shall be broken in pieces. In other words, these alliances you're making will not stand before a living God. Take counsel together, and it shall come to naught. Speak the word, and it shall not stand, for God is with us. For the Lord spake thus to me with a strong hand, and instructed me that I should not walk in the way of this people, saying, Say ye not a confederacy, to all them to whom this people shall say, 
a confederacy. Neither fear you their fear, nor be afraid. Sanctify the Lord of hosts himself, and let him be your fear, and let him be your dread. Oh, friends, don't be afraid as the world is afraid. There's one thing we ought to fear. That is the second death. There's one thing that we ought to fear. Where will I spend eternity? Don't be afraid of the fear that's on this world. The fear that's on this world is driving them to an Armageddon. It's driving them into unholy alliances. Now, I I, want to just take this and read this also, if I can, out of the Amplified Bible because it, it, it really gives more clarity to this whole thing, this scripture. And I'm going to read verses 12 and 13. And, and maybe let me just share this with you, because when it talks about a confederacy, a confederacy is a league or a compact for mutual support or common action. It is a combination of persons for unlawful purposes, and then it says conspiracy. Okay, so that's, a, that's, that's according to Webster. Now, in the Amplified, in verse 12, it says, do not call conspiracy all that this people will call conspiracy. In other words, don't go and blame China. Don't go and blame government. Don't go and blame those agendas. Friends, that does not, that will, that knowledge or, or that emotion, that will not help you gain the rapture. That will only cause you to be stirred up and emotional. It says, neither be in fear of what they fear, nor what they make others afraid of. I'll tell you, the media does a good job of playing up things that are not even real. I'll tell you, the media is a part of what's going on right now. Listen, I I, I believe that there's valid points on both sides. But when you begin to make statements that lean one way only, and when all governments lean one way, and when all people talk the same way, and, and when you have to follow their community guidelines, and when you have to be fact checked according to what they think is right, pardon me, there's voices on both sides. Brother, brother Tim Pruitt, their services are on the internet. And there's a group called the Deception Team. I don't know who they are or what they are. But they happen to be streaming one of his services. And the Deception Team picked up on something he said, where he talked about how an eagle is in a nest and then it brings these sharp, it, it rips the fur out of the nest, and it brings these sharp claws in order to cause the young to go. And they came and they sent him an email and they said, fact check. He says, there is no record of eagles doing such. And it said, 
please respond to us with an email if you don't want to be censored. Who, is these, who are these people? And what do they think they're doing? You know, and, I, and I'm just going, this is the world we live in. You put, make a post on a media site and you are subject to being fact-checked. You are subject to community guidelines. There is control that is being exercised in all the world around us. Brother Ron Spencer had the best reply to this whole thing when they, they did that. And he says, note to the deception team, please stream more of Brother Tim Pruitt's services. You will find out that they are not fur-lined. <laughs> I thought that was good. <laughs> but listen, this is the reality. We have to be so careful what we say, what we do. Friends, we follow the government, but when it comes against the word of God, and I'm saying that line is coming closer and closer. I'll tell you what, you need to be more prayed up than you ever before. You need to be more in tune with God than ever before. So it says, do not call conspiracy that all these people call conspiracy, neither be in fear of what they fear, and they make others afraid of, and their dread. Now he says this in verse 13. The Lord of hosts, regard him as holy, and honor his holy name. And then it puts in brackets, by regarding him as your only hope of safety. I'll trust in him and him alone. And let him be your fear and your dread. And then it said, lest you offend him by your fear of man and distrust of him. Wow, that is something. I'll tell you, friends, we need to trust God more than ever. We need to walk with him. We need to trust him. The same God that delivered Moses and, and the Israelites out of the hand of Pharaoh is still on the scene today. The same God that knows we're living in this age of a pandemic is still here today. The same God that sees governments closing in, that sees economics closing in, that sees churches and demon powers gathering together is still on the scene today. <coughs> the things that are happening, I would like to say there is something that is embedding themselves into all the regulations and the things that we are seeing. And it's paving the way for something. And I don't want to just make this make this a a conspiracy thing. <clears throat> but a confederacy requires many parties. Brother Bannon would tell us in the fourth seal, the pale horse rides this ride and it will be the last ride. And it says, he goes on to say, 
He comes from antichrist all the way to false prophet into beast, the devil himself, riding on a pale horse, colored up and mixed with all kinds of colors to make him pale and deathly. So he gathers from all these places. And he says, this beast, this power, it's represented by politics, by religious powers, and by demon powers. And they are providing the vehicle for this beast or power to ride. Now, demon powers need a vehicle. Uh, Politics needs a vehicle. Uh, Religion needs a vehicle. But they all come together to bring this. And Brother Branham would say, this will not completely happen in our day. It will happen as the church is gone. But it's gathering right now. Now, let's just, you know, I I could spend time on fear, but let me just drop this in quickly. Revelations 21, you talk about a spirit of fear that's come upon the earth, and I'll say this, if you're fearful, if you're worried, I mean, it's natural to worry. It's natural to be afraid of some things. You know, but but it can can go carried away. They, They said that one of the wealthiest men in the world was Howard Hughes. Howard Hughes had such a phobia of viruses and diseases. They said that he would continually have a box of Kleenex around him. He would continually be washed. It, 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 it wasn't even unsubstantiated. He would enclose himself from everybody. But it governed his life. The richest man in the world at that time was governed by this phobia. You talk about the world around us. They're governed. It, it's setting up something. Listen, let's just, I want to just, I'm going to point to the end a little bit, but I want to come back to the beginning, and then tonight I want to come back to the end, and I want to show you some things tonight that are actually physically happening. But I, I need to focus on the spirit part of this right now. Revelations 21, verse 7, He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the fearful, and the unbelieving, and the abominable, And the murderers and the whoremongers and the sorcerers and the idolaters and all the liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone. This is the second death. But it took a common spirit to bring them into that realm. Let me take what Brother Branham would speak a little bit here on the settings that are are playing out right at at, at this last day. And I want to just take this. And I'll just make these couple of comments and I'll pick this up more tonight. He said, the Gentile age began when uh, Daniel, who was named Belteshazzar, was he, he, which was the name of his God, they made an image and forced every person to worship that image. That was the beginning of the Gentiles. When God dealt with them, they got haughty in their heart. Listen how Brother Bram says it. And they forced every man to worship the image of a holy man. The Gentile age was issued in that way. It will go out the same way. He says, a boycott of the mark of the beast will force people to worship images and do things that are contrary to the word of God. So brother, 
It'll be so slick and sly, it will deceive the elect. You better purpose in your heart tonight and be filled with God's Holy Spirit that you'll be able to discern the right and wrong when the proclamation is issued. I'll say this, you're not smart enough. I'm not smart enough. Only the Spirit of God in us will lead us to do the right thing. Brother Bannon would make this statement in Jezebel religion. He would say, she's on the throne now. She'll do it again. Behind that figure head, nothing's going to stop her. They, they couldn't get in the religious circles. Why? It was all cut into politics. Exactly what they done. The political will be a boycott just exactly as the mark of the beast, as sure as I'm standing here. And then Brother Bannon would say this. This is in 1961 and then in 63, look away to Jesus. He says, I must continue in evangelism. I must continue. Friends, the hour is approaching when something is going to be done. You might see odd little things. Nothing sinful. I didn't mean that. But something odd from the regular trend. Now, I've got to drop back here watching that spot and waiting for the time to use it, but it's going to be used. Now, I, I'm setting all of this up, and I just want to make this, this note. And, and you can take a number of quotes on this, but this is in boycott. He'll say, there'll be a boycott. You won't be able to buy or sell. And again, I'm going to get into more tonight. Un unless you belong to a confederation of churches. There'll come a union, unionizing the thing, bringing down a unionized religion. Mark my word, it ain't far off. You'll see it. She's just around the corner. And then I, I'll, I, I had more, I had probably like seven or eight quotes out of all of that. But Brother Bannon would take a series of meetings in 1963, or 1964 and 63, at the end of 63, where he uses the word, this big machine. And he would say, Satan's got a big machine setting up. They're waiting for the hour when the lid goes down, and then they can use it and force it and make it a law. Look at the broadcasts and the things we hear today over the radio and the newspapers. It's on you right now. He's linking it to a media campaign. He says, we don't have the time, but Satan's big machine is ready to move to crush down. And then he says, but God's little flock that believes the word, their mechanics is ready also. He said, it's ready to be set afire with the Holy Ghost. Oh, I love it. The big machine is here. It's ready to move. So I, 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 I'm going to leave you with all of that. And now I want to go back to the book of Genesis just for the remainder of the service. And I'll ask you to turn to Genesis chapter 4, if you will. Actually, let's go to Genesis chapter 1 quickly. <coughs> now, <clears throat> I'm going to just drop this in real quick. But in, 19, in 1963, uh, sorry, in 1965, in the last two to three months of Brother Branham's time on earth, he actually says this six different occasions. And he would say, <clears throat> when I get home, I'm going to preach on the subject, the trail of the serpent. 
the beast at the beginning, the beast at the end, I'll trail him through the whole Bible and how he heads up. And then he, he would, I, I, and I'm going to refer back to these, but he said he was a beast in the Garden of Eden, he's a beast at the end, and there's a whole trail of it. And he says, wait till you hear that message. And then he makes this statement, and he says it in, in leadership in 1965. If you ever bought one of my tapes, get this when I get it, the trail of the serpent, and you'll see where it's at. The message may be four hours long, but he says, I want you to listen to this. Now, he never preached it, but he said it six times. Now, Brother Ed, you're making a lot of statements to make this a basis for your service. I'm not making it the base of my service. I'm going back in the message because the supernatural God gives us everything he knows. It's not us. Now, when Brother Branham says this the last time, he makes this statement in the paragraph just before. Right here in California, the church has to tell the labor union what to do. It's coming Church and state again. It's right on you. You're right in there, and you'll take the mark of the beast without knowing it. Now, he brings that together with these statements. Let's pick some of that up tonight. Genesis chapter 1. Let's just read verse 9. Are you with me? I'm going to ask, uh, who's one of our deacons? Brother Allen. I'm just going to ask you to go into the, is there one of our deacons there? Brother Dwayne, just go in my briefcase. There's a little Duotang notebook. Just get that for me. I just I made a couple notes on there. Genesis chapter 1, verse 9. <laughs> and God, are you with me? Are you okay? Listen, I, 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 I'll cut this off just in time. We'll all be able, we'll, I'm not going to take the duration, but I, I want to just lay this over two services. But just stay with me on this part. Genesis chapter 1, verse 9. This is in the beginning. And God said, let the waters gather, let the waters under the heaven be gathered together in one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth and the gathering together of the waters called he seas. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed and the fruit tree uh, yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed was in itself upon the earth, and it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, and the herb yielding seed after his kind, and the tree yielding fruit, whose seed was in itself after his kind, and God saw that it was good. And the evening and the morning were the third day. So in this principle, God establishes something where he said, let the earth bring forth. So the earth would have a natural tendency to multiply itself, to replenish itself, to do things uh, by itself and to do these things. And there would be set in motion that seeds would bring forth kind after kind. Thank you for that. Would bring forth kind after kind and it would continue. This was a process from the very beginning. So now as, as, as God sets this forth, that was the beginning. And I'll come back to this in a bit. Now jump over to Genesis chapter 4. <laughs> now I'm going to use this as part of the beginning, but it's after the purity of the beginning. And I want to just take this from Genesis chapter 4. Now, 
I, I want you to think about it this way. Known unto God are all his works from the beginning. So God knew the minute Adam and Eve fell, what would be the end. So he planted seeds that have been there and hid from generation to generation, but are made known to us in this last day for our benefit. So they, and they were only revealed by this last day messenger. So there's certain characteristics. So God knew the end from the beginning. Genesis chapter 4, verse 1. And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. This has been such a misrepresented scripture in the Bible. Because, and Brother Bannon would simplify it and say, all life comes from God. And she again bare his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought forth of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought the firstlings of his flock and the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And... Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is thou countenance fallen? If thou doest well, will thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And Cain talked with, let me just read two more verses. And Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass as they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? Read verse 10. And he said, Why hast thou, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. Now, and he also goes on to tell him, You're cursed from the earth. Now, Really, what God sets in motion here are the seeds of the entire Bible. Brother Branham would say this in the message, Israel and the Church. He would say, I've been studying Genesis for two years. It's the seed chapter. Notice, all the cults of this day are in the beginning in Genesis. They had their start in Genesis, winding to the last day. Formal religion began in Cain. It came out through the sons of Noah, Ham, and, 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 and out of Ham he had Nimrod. And he goes on, he says, all of these things wind themselves out to the very end. So it behooves us, be careful, be said in the word. Many things are taking place today that are unscriptural. And now he would also then begin to say in the message, the true and false vine. Just a while ago, I was reading to my boy Revelation 17 of the old prostitute woman and her daughters called Babylon. Babylon first began in Genesis. Then it appears in the days of King Nebuchadnezzar in the issuing in of the Gentiles. And it appears at the going out of the age in the Gentiles. Babylon was the first, began with idolatry. In the middle of the book, it's idolatry. It ends under the name of Christianity, but it's still idolatry. It began in Genesis. It ends over here. Now listen to this last statement. Salvation begins in Genesis. Impersonation begins in Genesis. 
Formality begins in Genesis. Everything began at Genesis like a vine. Now, now just think about this. Like a vine. It keeps growing. It doesn't stop. It keeps moving. So now Genesis chapter 4. If I just try to be brief in my thoughts here now. And in verse 2, and she, in verse 1, she bare Cain. Now, if you really look at the name Cain, and you take it out of the meaning, it means possession. It means one that wants to acquire, whose, that was the nature. His name dis, displayed his very nature. In other words, he was beginning, he had something that he wanted to do and possess. I want to just refer to this, and I need to bring it out more tonight. But there's an insatiable desire that was in his father. There's an insatiable desire. Insatiable means it cannot be quenched. You look at every devil that is in the world today. You look at the spirit of a cancer that's there. It will keep spreading. It will not stop. And it, it, it so works its way out till the vessel that it's in will die or be healed, or be cast out. But it doesn't stop. His, Cain's father, who really was, was Luther, that was the spirit that was upon Cain. That, that, that spirit, it, it, it had a desire to be like the Most High. It hasn't stopped yet since it started. He wants to be worshipped. He wants all of these things. Every spirit that's in the world today, it doesn't stop. Cain, which would, 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 would mean to, to, to possess, to do things. Now, I'm just going to refer over to 1 John chapter 3. Let's just go quickly there. 1 John chapter 3. I'll read from verse 11. For this is the message we heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother. Wherefore slew he him? Because his own works were evil and his brothers were righteous. Now, you, you and I would look at the story of Genesis and, and we would think, okay, what was so evil about what Cain did? What did he do? Because, you know, Abel built an altar. Cain built an altar. Abel, Abel would, would worship God. Cain would worship God. Abel would bring an offering. Cain would bring an offering. But there was something about the way they did it. One was pleasing to God. One displeased God. One was good in the sight of God. One was evil in the sight of God. Now if we take it this way, and, and if I can just, just bring it this way, <coughs> the, the name of Cain, and if you actually take it out of the New Testament, the Greek version, it actually would mean spear, it would actually mean fabricator, it would mean maker. So there was something about Cain that he was doing something of himself. He was trying to do something that would satisfy himself, whereas Abel was only desired in pleasing God. Abel wasn't doing this for himself. He was doing it for God. He had a nature like unto his father. It was a nature that, was, that led him in a certain way. Let, let, me, let me just try it. Cain, he wanted to do this for himself. But Abel, by revelation, 
he sought to please the Lord. He sought, I want to worship God according to his desires. I want to do this according to the way God wanted to do it. So Abel was willing to take God's provided way, whereas Cain had it within him to manipulate God's word to serve his own purpose. Friends, I would say the desire of the righteous seed is just say, be it unto me according to your word. You know what's right. I don't know what's right. I'll tell you what, when, when God dealt with me and I grew up in a world, you know, and, and it's, it's wrong for you to have a feminine spirit. It's wrong for you to wear shorts. It's wrong for you to have hair that's a certain way. I just said, Lord, you're right, I'm wrong. Uh, I, I, I won't go and wear shorts playing basketball anymore. I, I won't go and have my hair styled this way anymore. Lord, you're right. That's the real nature of the seed. But somebody who is not really born again will manipulate the word. And I'll say that spirit exists even within the framework of this truth. I'm willing to manipulate the word so that it'll serve my own purpose, but not God's purpose. So Cain, he, he, would, he would do this, and so there, there you know, as, as Abel brought forth by revelation, he would take and he would bring forth uh, a lamb, a bloody lamb. All right, l- listen, I, I don't know what life was like in this household. Adam and Eve, they had two people, two young'uns in their home. One was their own. Adam was the father of one of them. The other one just lived in that house. And somewhere in the process of time, you know, they, they would have taught their children. They would have given them the right method. They would have, Adam would have taught Abel and said, you need a covering. You, we, we know it's not vegetation that's going to cover you. You're going to need a blood, uh, a blood covering for your nakedness. And he says, you're going to need an animal skin. And, and that actually set in motion the way that Abel dealt. Now, I, I need to just bring you back quickly to verse 2. So it says, after Eve conceived a Cain, and then she bare an Abel. And, and immediately the Bible makes this statement. Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. Now think about this just for a minute. At that very instant... The word of God drops this in. Abel recognized what it was in the beginning. It was going to be a blood covering. Adam had tried fig leaves, vegetation, but Cain could never catch that. So uh, the, the very thing that caught Abel's interest was to keep the sheep. Because he knew he'd have to have sheep to be a covering for, for his life on earth. But Cain, he became a tiller of the ground. And I thought, what's wrong with being a tiller of the ground? What's wrong with planting a garden? But listen, that same ground that he was willing to manipulate and use, that same ground, what was with that ground that was so wrong? Let's just quickly go. Genesis chapter 3. I'll just read chapter 3, verse 17. And this is after God addresses the serpent. He addresses the woman. So he addresses the serpent. He curses him and says, you'll go into the dust to the woman. Uh, I, I, I will multiply your sorrow. Your desire will be your husband. And then he says to Adam, because you've hearkened unto the voice of your wife, you've eaten of the tree. Out of command, you shall not eat of 
of it, cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow thou shalt eat it. But the ground that was cursed, that became the very thing that Cain wanted to use. And he wanted to work with what had a curse on it. Oh, friends, it has not changed. Cain, listen, what's wrong with being a tiller of the ground? Well, if, if you follow Cain through, you'll find Cain's lineage. They made artifacts. They made spears. They made musical instruments. Where did they get the material to do these things? It came from trying to manipulate the ground. The ground that was cursed. And friends, it hasn't changed today. Mankind is drawing from the ground. The cursed ground. It wasn't a covering to them. It was going to be a curse to them. And Cain became a slave to that which God had cursed. You could follow this through in Genesis chapter 4. And you can go down to... Verse 16, and Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. Now, and Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bare Enoch, and he built a city. Where did he get the materials for the city? From the ground. Where did he, he, he was willing to manipulate the ground to serve his own purpose. But notice, it says in verse 16, and Cain went out from the presence of the Lord. So he left God, but he still had a desire to worship. Cain's religion was so self-serving that he, was, he didn't need the presence of God. He didn't need to abide at the place that he had to. He was able to manipulate it to serve his own purpose. Friends, that's the seeds of every denomination. That's the seed of every civilization. That started in the book of Genesis. But the simple heard him gladly. But the simple stayed in the presence of God. But the simple were willing to take care of what God provided them. They were true shepherds. They were willing to say, Lord, you gave me this. Oh, my friends, look at, look at where we are. We are reaching the pinnacle of civilization. We are reaching a place where Revelation 17 will be fulfilled. Where the, the whore that is on the earth and, and her economics. I, I realize I have to watch sometimes what we say, but I have to also speak the word of truth. There was a man who wrote a book. His name was Avro, Manhattan, I believe, in the... And he talked in how the 1980s, he said, the wealth of the Catholic Church in America at that time exceeded the five biggest corporations that were in the U.S. Why? Because they didn't have to pay taxes on it. They didn't have to go through all the hoops everybody else did. They could use and manipulate funding and, and get by and do all these things. Friends, I believe this is all setting up for a time when the world will have no place to turn to and they will have to make an unholy alliance. It's before us. 
I'll, I'll tell you what, you talk about, the, these words are used very often, the great economic reset. It started as a, as, as a, as a meeting in Davos, Switzerland, and it started with many attendees. It started with people coming together, climate change people. It started with a coming together of religious people, including the church, political leaders, all coming together, all starting to talk the same language, all starting to talk and saying, the world needs an economic reset, but it will only happen if you meet our community guidelines. If you're in favor of gay rights, if you're in favor, there's coming a time when groups like this will be shut out. Why? And they will think nothing of it because they're not interested in God's word. They're not interested. They're only interested in manipulating it to serve their own purpose. There was a series of interviews on Capitol Hill about two weeks ago. All the big leaders of the Silicon Valley corporations. And these were also social media giants. Twitter. Facebook. There was questions asked of them. Because they all share information. You know when you go on Google search and you type in a word... That word will lead you to certain links. Have you ever thought about who sets up those links? There's a group of people that do that. So they slowly have been changing their links. If you type in the word idiot, Donald Trump comes up. <laughs> now who set that? It doesn't, doesn't have Joe Biden come up. It doesn't have Kamala Harris come up. But what is it? They're manipulating things for their own purpose. And so in Davros, Switzerland, listen, my time's just about up. The Davros, Switzerland, this great economic reset, you heard our prime minister talking about it. Everybody's talking about the great reset. But what comes with it? You have to abide by guidelines that they put forth. You have to follow the agendas that they follow or you cannot be a partaker. And it will come to pass that they will say you cannot buy or sell except you take the mark. Friends, we're there. You'll not be smart enough to figure your way out of it. You'll need God. You'll need the attitude that, that, Cain, that not Cain had, but that Abel had. I'll tell you what. We are living in a time where we're seeing things come all around us. Let me just finish a few more thoughts and we'll close this morning. The book of Genesis is not a story of Genesis. It's a story of today. Right from the beginning, Abel was a keeper of the sheep. Cain was a tiller of the ground. Their desires... Cain was looking to do the same thing his father did, to possess, to rebuild, to make cities, to create an Eden. We've come to an Eden. He became a slave to the earth. Let me guess, he became a slave to worldliness. He became a slave to that which God had cursed. And that's what every denomination does, is if I can say it. But Abel, he was attracted to sheep.
He was attracted to that which God had given. Abel means breath. You know, it's very interesting to me that the virus attacks the breath and the breathing of people. Whereas God has given us the ability to breathe in life and to take it in and out. Whereas the world is being plagued by the very thing that it sought to leave. Listen, I think I'm going to stop. I, I, I'm going to stop there. There's, some, there's, there's things I'd like to get to, but I'm going to just stop there this morning. Let's have the musicians come. Brothers, if you can bring that information for me, if you don't mind. We're going to close there this morning. I apologize if this came out a little chopped up. I trust you see where we're going. I trust that you see that which was from the beginning is coming to a head in the end. And I'm going to take some of that, the Lord willing, tonight. So just pray for me. I wish I could articulate it better and bring it better, but I'm unable to do so in the way that I could. But we're, we're going to do it. Let's just sing. Let's stand together as we do this. Let's just uh, sing again the song we sang in the beginning. Lord, I lift your name, your holy name. <coughs> Are we all good this morning? Amen. Lord, I lift your name. Lord, I, I lift your name. Your
fragrance offered to you. 